0: Well, good morning. Um, It's good to be with you. And uh, let me just, before we launch into the message of the morning, um, tell you what's coming up. Starting next week, we're going to be starting an eight-part teaching series called Mission Possible. Um, The Lord, there's so much I could share about this, but the Lord's been doing... A deep work in my heart and in the hearts of some of the other leaders here at Westside. It's been amazing. And um, we, starting next week, are going to unveil some some of the results of what God has been doing in us. And specifically, redefining, clarifying the mission, the direction that we believe God wants West Side to go. And we're calling it Mission Possible. We tend to get so pessimistic, don't we, about difficult things. But God is so great, so powerful. He can do amazing things with very weak people. And do amazing things, even with churches that have struggles. And we have high hopes, not because of us, but because of God. And so we're going to be sharing that in this teaching series. This morning, we're going to talk about, and you see it on the screen, what's important about the Lord's Supper. And we're going to be looking at one passage First Corinthians chapter 11, you can turn there on your device or Bible. Um, and we're going to be unpacking some of that. Jesus, let me emphasize, Jesus gave two ordinances to the church. And one of them was baptism. The other one is the Lord's Supper. They're both from Him. Both things that he asked the church to engage in. In fact, I'll make it stronger. They're commands. He has commanded every believer to be baptized, and he has commanded believers to remember him through the Lord's Supper that we're going to be talking about this morning. Interestingly, both involve symbols. The symbol of baptism is water. Water. Plain old, ordinary water. And the symbols of the Lord's Supper is bread and wine or grape juice. Um, Again, very simple symbols that lead us to incredible memories and truths about Jesus. This morning we're going to be looking at the Lord's Supper And about celebrating it, and I'm going to be using that word celebrate a lot because that's really the focus of the Lord's Supper. It is not a funeral. It's not a time of mourning. It's a time to celebrate Jesus and what He has done. Time of rejoicing. The Lord's Supper actually has a couple of other names in the New Testament. One is communion. The other one is breaking of bread, which we sometimes use. Um, I like the term Lord's Supper because it emphasizes it came from the Lord, like I said. He's the one that initiated it. And secondly, it's in honor of him. The focus is on Him, and I think you'll get that as we proceed through our study this morning. Jesus introduced the Lord's Supper at a Passover meal. Passover was an annual meal that the Jews took part in to celebrate the freedom that the Jews were given by God from slavery in Egypt. Their time of slavery was awful. Awful. But God miraculously delivered them from that. And so every year, ever since that time, the Jews would celebrate Passover And do that through partaking of a meal that had a number of food items on the table. I remember some years ago, we actually had a Seder meal up here. We had a guy come and he explained what each of the Seder elements, the the food was for, what it represented. Jesus took two of the food items and he changed the meaning still had meaning for the Jews with respect to their freedom from Egypt, but he gave two of the items a special meaning that was the start of the celebration of the Lord's Supper. And you can look at the details, Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 22... All parallel passages describing when Jesus met with his disciples in that upper room over Passover and then introduced the Lord's Supper and he asked them and us to do one thing. Just one thing. And we're going to see that in a few minutes. Now there's a parallel passage where the Apostle Paul... Took the commands of Jesus where he introduced the Lord's Supper and he re-explains them and then makes a very unique application, which I think we sometimes miss. And that's found here, as I said, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And we're going to go right to verse 23, the part of this chapter we often refer to and then we're going to go to the other parts which we sometimes miss. Let's read this together. Beginning with verse 23 of First Corinthians chapter 11, it says this, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. By the way, Paul was not present there in that upper room. He came along later, and so the Lord appeared to him, in a special way and actually repeated the instructions and he says this that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim, you celebrate the Lord's death until he comes. Let me emphasize, when we talk about the Lord's Supper, it's extremely important we start with God's Word, Scripture. More important than going back to what we're used to, what we've experienced, our traditions, whatever they might be, start with God's Word. And we do that with everything here at Westside. God's Word is the foundation for everything that we believe in practice here, or it should be. That's our goal. And with respect to the Lord's Supper, very important to start with what the Bible says and then form our views and our practices accordingly. Let me unpack this a little bit. Jesus, as I said, took two of the food groups... And he changed their meaning. The first was bread. Actually, there were several individual pieces of bread on the table. He took one of them, and it says in verse 24, When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body. Before, in the Passover, bread signified the bread that the Jews took with them in a hurry when they fled Egypt they didn't even have time to leaven the bread to wait for it so it was unleavened bread and they took it with them and so the bread was a symbol of celebration that they were able to leave but Jesus took one of the pieces of bread and he said this is my body his body that would be crucified on the cross. There are some churches who believe it's literally the body of Christ. It's not what the disciples were thinking. They clearly knew Jesus at that time didn't chop off a part of his flesh and and hand it to them. They knew it was bread symbolizing What he would do, which they didn't totally understand. Little parts of the fact that he would die for sin. But he gave them the bread and said, this is my body. And I love the next words, which is for you. He could have said, which is for the world but he made it very personal. Every one of those guys sitting around the table were told that his crucified body that would die and absorb God's wrath was for them. When you celebrate the Lord's Supper, make it that personal. When you take of the bread, the wafer in our little kits. When you take of the juice, think of the fact that if there had never been another person on the face of the earth that was a sinner, just you, Jesus would have died for you. It's that personal. And that's what He said to them. During the Passover, they drank Actually, four different cups of wine at different points during the service. Jesus took one of them, and here's what He said, this is the new covenant in My blood. He changed the meaning of the cup from a celebratory thing for their freedom from Egypt. And he said, this symbolizes, this represents my blood that I will shed for you. He called it a new covenant. New as opposed to old. The old covenant, the old agreement that God had with Israel was, hey, you guys obey the law. And when you fail, which you will, you make sacrifices and you got to do that every single day because you sin every single day. It depended on their effort. The new covenant depends on Christ's effort, on his death when he went to the cross and died. And so Jesus changed the meaning of that and asked them to do one thing thing as they would take the bread and the wine. Um, What was that? What was the one request he made? It was actually in the form of a command. Uh, As they would take the bread and that cup, do this in remembrance of me. Do it to remember me. And he repeated it twice. One for the bread, one for the cup. What does it mean to remember him? I've been remembering Queen Elizabeth this week. Never met her. Heard a lot about her. But when we remember someone, we look back at who they were, what they said, and what they did. Queen Elizabeth was a fine woman. Not perfect. But I've read and heard some of the things she said, like at her Christmas messages to the nation. She always would include the Gospel. It was an amazing thing. She loved Jesus. She followed Jesus. And I think did some very good things. When we remember Jesus... We do the same thing, but in a greater way. We think over who He is. Who He was. What He did when He went to the cross. And think over what He taught. What He told us. Thinking it over. Not in a hurry, but taking time just to meditate on Jesus. That's the one thing. One thing. He asked us, every Christian, to do when they partake of the Lord's Supper. Interestingly, He didn't tell them where to do it, or when to do it, or how long to take when they did it. Anything about the format of the service or whatever, just that one thing, remember me and we'll get into that a little bit more shifting gears a little bit here and this is where the application of 1 Corinthians 11:23 to 26 comes why did paul even bring this up there was a very specific reason He brought it up to address a problem in the church. In verses 17 and 18, it says, In the following instructions, I don't commend you because when you come together, when you gather as a church, it's not for the better, but for the worse. He's kind of saying... Because of the way you're behaving, it would have been better for you to stay home. They should have changed their behavior and then come and gathered. And then he goes on to say that I hear that there are divisions among you. What was going on? We learn that in the next verses, beginning with verse 20. It says this, When you come together... It is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One is hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Later in the chapter, he tells them, verse 33, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let them eat at home. Um, grab a snack before you come. What's really going on here is that in the early church, it was very common for them to combine the celebration of the Lord's Supper with a meal. It was kind of like a potluck. And they would have it first, eat. And during this time, they didn't have church buildings. This church in Corinth probably met met in a pretty large house belonging to a wealthy person. And they would gather there. But what was going on was... Some of the people would get there early, and they were hungry, and so they would gather around the potluck table, fill their plates, their stomachs, drink too much, actually get drunk, and then some of the stragglers would come late, like people do to services here on West Side. Um, that's an aside. Um, <laughs> Perhaps those who got there late had to work late because they were poor, had to work long hours. They just couldn't get there at the same time. But when they would arrive, all the good food, or maybe all the food, was gone. Did you ever come late to a potluck, maybe here, and jump in line and all the good stuff is gone? Might be a few beans left or soup, bread but all the good food is gone. You can imagine this church, after they were done with their meal and they gathered for the Lord's Supper, there was a lot of resentment and bitterness and anger. Stomachs were growling. And spirits of person were growling even more. And you can imagine the atmosphere there. Some who had eaten too much, probably falling asleep, half drunk. Paul is calling them out and saying, this ought not to be. This is no way to treat one another. In fact, talks in verse 22 about Do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? That's exactly what they were doing. They were despising, making light of the unity of the body of Christ by the way they were treating one another. And actually humiliating certain people who got there and the food was gone and they had nothing. Verse 27, Paul continues and he says this, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord, a reference to the Lord's Supper, in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Key word here is manner. Every single one of us is unworthy before God. We don't deserve the salvation that Jesus has provided free on the cross. We are totally unworthy. If you feel unworthy to partake of the Lord's Supper, um, but you know Jesus and He has saved you, Christ has made you worthy. You haven't made yourself worthy He has done it. What he's talking about is the manner, the way that they were partaking of the Lord's Supper by mistreating each other and their behavior negated their worship. And sin always does that. It talks about they needed to examine their hearts in verse 28 which involves repenting over sin, and then they needed to reconcile with one another. They needed to go to the people they had humiliated and despised and say, I was wrong. I sinned against you by the way I acted. Will you forgive me? That's the way reconciliation takes place. Through repentance before God and through uh, repentance before one another. Verse twenty nine talks about them not discerning the body. Question: What? Whose body is this? It could be, and commentators disagree on this. It could be the body of Christ. They didn't understand the value of His crucifixion for them. Or it could refer to the fact that they didn't discern or understand the unity of the spiritual body of Christ, the church. I think both apply. They were going through the motions of the Lord's Supper without focusing on doing it with the right attitude and with the right actions. And then sadly... um, Their actions were actually opening themselves up to spiritual discipline from the Lord. He says in verse 30, this is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. Some of that group were actually sick and had died because God disciplined them over their behavior. Didn't send them to hell because they were true believers, but brought discipline into their lives. That's how serious sin is. God doesn't just let us go. He draws us back to Himself. You know, Satan can do a similar work in the church today. Satan doesn't care how he brings the witness of the church of Jesus Christ down and tarnish it. Just so he does. And he'll often do that by causing so-called Christians to argue and fight over secondary things instead of focusing on the main thing. And I'm referring to the Lord's Supper. Sometimes we can get our minds off on the secondary ingredients, maybe even the particular form of the breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper, and miss the whole point of remembering Jesus. I think back a long time ago. I think I was about 10 years old. And my family went to a small little assembly, a church. Uh, it was so small, didn't have their own building, and we met in a Masonic hall. Still remember that place. I remember where I sat. I remember one preacher at a service um, giving a message that I needed I had trusted Christ a couple of years earlier, but I was having struggles with assurance. I didn't think I was still saved. And he gave this message. And I remember him, where he was standing, and how God used that in the formation of my early spiritual life. But after a few years, the church gathered. They began to grow and mm got enough money to be able to buy, build their own building. They bought this lot and built a beautiful building. I still remember what it looked like. In a new area of town, sort of on the outskirts, all these new homes, families with kids bursting at the seams, fabulous mission field. And then they began to plan the details of what the building would look like inside. And they met around the Lord's table, the Lord's Supper every week. And one particular group felt it was very important to sit in a circle around the table that had the emblems on it. Another group thought they should have rows like we have here. I didn't find out about this until many years later, and someone who was part of that group told me, made me extremely sad. They got into a fight over the seating at the Lord's Supper, and it split the church. And a few years later, it closed. By the way, they got their thinking about being around the table from Matthew 18 where it says, um, or two or three are gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst, in the middle. And so they felt the table needed to be in the middle and they around it. Dear people, but I think they missed the whole context. The context was about spiritual discipline and the church disciplining sinning individuals. And the point of that verse where two or three are gathered, I'm there in the midst, was church, if you do this in a godly way to bring someone back out of sin, Jesus is with you. He is on board. He approves of that. But sadly, that church um, had its lampstand removed because they didn't deal with that issue. Where are our hearts? It's not just important what we do, taking the emblems that we're going to do in a few minutes. And remember Jesus. But if our hearts have sin, and if we have broken relationships with one another, for living in bitterness towards someone else, if we've sinned against someone and we have not repented, that's going to make a huge dent in our worship. And God wants us to respond by confessing, making right relationships that are broken, and doing it quickly. Matthew 5 says, Jesus said this, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and remember your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Reconciliation. When we've sinned against someone or someone has something against, it's so urgent that if you're walking up the aisle and you leave your gift before the altar, before you put it on the altar... Just drop it and go right away and get reconciled. That's how important it is to make broken relationships right. I have a few more thoughts to share with you. The question is, what's important? about the Lord's Supper. I think it's important because Jesus asks us to celebrate Him through this. But it's also important what our, where our focus should be. What's important about the Lord's Supper? His words. Remember me. That's all He asks them to do. What's important? Remembering Jesus. What's not quite so important? Maybe good, but not quite so important. Everything else. We need to put the priority where Jesus wanted us to do that. So, when you celebrate the Lord's Supper... In a few minutes, or down the road, when you celebrate the Lord's Supper, focus on Jesus. Don't focus on the particular form that you may like or not like. Focus on Jesus. More than how you do it, it's why you do it. To give Him honor, to give Him worship. To tell Him you love Him. To tell Him, I should have been hanging on the cross, but you went there in my place. Maybe you, for the first time, need to embrace what He has done personally and trust Him as your Savior. Because He did that for you. I want to be a little transparent with you. I, I don't have everything together. And I've had to learn things the hard way. Most of us are influenced by our background, how we grew up, things that have happened to us. And our past experiences form our present preferences. Sometimes in how we Do things. And I think it can apply to the Lord's Supper. I grew up celebrating the Lord's Supper from a very young age. And um, we would celebrate it in the churches that I was part of in a way, in a style, in a form that had been started by a group of wonderful Christians in England and Ireland over a hundred years before that. And I appreciated it. I loved it. But then I began to understand that the form was not as important as the focus on Jesus, remembering Him, and God had to teach me that I needed to change. I needed to focus on Jesus. When I was in my twenties, I was part of an Operation Mobilization team in Iran, and I, I have vivid remembrances of. When two other guys, they were both from England, and I traveled across the deserts of Iran sharing Jesus with people. And one particular Sunday morning, we were in the middle of nowhere. I mean, nowhere. And we slept in sleeping bags out on the desert floor. And we woke up, and it was Sunday, and we decided... To remember Jesus. And we had a few scraps of bread left over from our previous meal, and we used that. And then, what would we use for wine or grape juice? All we had was Kool-Aid, and it wasn't even grape. I think it was strawberry. It's all we had. And we prepared that. And I still remember the form was all messed up. But we focused on Jesus. And what He had done for us. How much He loved us. It was incredibly simple. It was relatively short. But we all worshipped. Which I believe... Please the heart of Jesus, because that is what He asked us to do. The form may change, and frankly, over church history, it has. The First Lord's Supper was in an upper room. And then the believers early on transitioned to meeting in homes like the Corinthian church and then began to build church buildings like we have here. So where we do it has changed and pass, it was a Passover which was celebrated once a year, but then it became a daily thing. You read that in Acts 2. They met daily breaking bread, worshiping Christ, And then, even later in Acts, it seems like it was less daily, maybe more weekly, which is what we do here. And we could go on and on. The form may change. It has changed. But the request of Jesus is the same. Remember me. Focus on Jesus. I'm going to pray and then we're going to have one more song and then we will celebrate Jesus by partaking of the Lord's Supper. If you've forgotten to grab, I'm not even sure what to call them, the communion kits that has the wafer and and the juice and we've provided gluten-free bread, crackers For some of you, and we hope to have a more permanent solution, but that's out there. And if you leave because you forgot to get it, it's okay. But let me pray. And then we will sing and remember Jesus. Lord, I don't understand why Christ would come into my life and go to the cross for the likes of me. But He did. And thank you for His sacrifice. For some of us in this room who've neglected the breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper, Father, I hope that we will understand how important it is to Jesus and do it to honor Him. For some that have struggled with focus, maybe focusing on secondary things instead of the primary one, Jesus, I pray you would change that too. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.